Welcome to the JMS Podcast with Jorge M. Sanchez. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode, we are featuring comedian Cedric Drake. He is a big-hearted man with a big personality, and it was great talking to him. Before we get there, one last reminder that you can subscribe to the JMS Podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, and on Google Play. You can follow the JMS Podcast on your social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and on Facebook. Please check out jmspodcast.com for the available content, and don't forget to share it around. Let people know about this podcast. Any support helps. Be like, hey, have you heard of this podcast? So-and-so talks to so-and-so. It's kind of interesting. All right. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. All right. If I sound funny, it is because I've been sick for nearly a week now. Uh, I got peaked pretty high on Christmas. Christmas, I, I spent it mostly in bed. And um, then I lost my voice. I lost my voice for the remainder of the week. And I'm barely getting it back. So if I sound off... Um, it's because of that. All right. Well, this is the episode that is coming out the day of New Year's Eve. Christmas passed. And now we are dealing with New Year's Eve. And 2017, it was something. Oh, yeah. I think, uh, I think we all went through it. Uh, of course, on the macro level, you know, as a country, I'm sure we, we've all, oh man, you know, Kind of live week by week, almost every week, something new and horrible was kind of happening. Um, but here we are, we survived it. We survived this administration's first year, kind of felt like a decade, but we, we're here and we gotta brace ourselves for another year. We gotta brace ourselves for another tsunami, tsunami wave coming. Uh, 2017 for me personally, um, reflecting on it. Uh, what's the best way to put it? I mean, I had a, still a lot of growing pains to get through 17, you know. And, uh, of course, you know, there's some great highlights. Um, mostly with this podcast. We, we introduced some new content, some new segments. And, um, and yeah, there's some regrets in 2017. I think I, I found myself to be um, very reclusive uh, than previous years. I kind of put a lot of my creative stuff on the back burner and kind of concentrated on, on the job, on the on the on the day job. And uh, looking back at it, it was pretty soul crushing, but I kind of needed it. You know, it was my first full year outside of college, and I was still trying to learn how to adult, how to do time management, and um, did the best I could did I best I could you know I think um, I think it's, well, 2017 was also a year of emotional challenging moments um, you know again mostly has to do with being in the in the fully adult world of just working 9 to 5 and trying to live that life and trying to ask yourself uh, well is this what I really want and now that we're closing to 2018 I'm like you know what maybe it's time that I, I stop going with just the flow and maybe I should start making an effort and going to the direction 
that I find fulfilling. You know, now that I'm, you know, I'm still in my late 20s, you know, it's now or never, really. Not to say that, you know, spontaneity or adventure is not in my 30s. I'm sure it will be, hopefully. Because for the most of 2017, I just put my head down and I went through the emotions. Just went to work. And by the time I got home, a lot of times, a lot of times I was too tired to work on any other extra projects. Of course, the primary project was this podcast, and luckily it managed to go on smoothly for the most part. But I had to put a lot of music and um, a lot of film stuff in the back burner, and I always felt guilty about it. And I'm like, this. So this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like. To really just go with the flow and just let life pass by. Because in some ways, that's what I felt 2017 was like for me. It was I, In some ways, I let life pass by. Did, did, didn't really take any big risks. But here we are at 2018. Looking forward to it. And I hope big changes are coming. And... Uh, I think uh, for you listeners who have uh, been here with me, I'm. Just, I think you guys should brace yourself for the ride because I'm. I'm trying to bring in some new stuff to this podcast. Every year, trying to make this podcast a little better. All right, I think that's enough of me rambling. Let's head on, head on over to Cedric Drake. He has a lot more interesting things to talk about. So here is Cedric Drake. interesting name Cedric Drake is that your stage name or is that your is that, that your is name? a real name Drake yeah I was actually thinking about doing um, Big Sed but doing, um, doing what doing a stage name as Big Sed Big Sed Big Sed everybody calls me Big Sed um, all my friends call me Big Sed uh-huh. but then I was like you know what I have a really cool name I um and a lot of my other friends talk me down a ledge on calling me Big Sed, so I go by Cedric Drake. Mm-hmm. Um, like my all my Twitter handles and stuff is like at Big Sed Comedy or stuff like that. But Cedric Drake, I think, sounds pretty good. Plus, that's cool. That's cool with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Interesting um, thing is that we ha- we have a, a mutual acquaintance friend, kind of. Yeah. At uh, San Jose State University, yeah. um, that was uh, Fred Guess. Fred Guess. Yeah, I remember, remember when I uh, was attending San Jose State University, and I told Fred Guess, who's a, who's really cool, who works oh, there, he's amazing. Currently, that I do comedy, and he goes, oh, "You know what? Do you know Cedric Drake?" <laughs> and for the longest time, I didn't. I, we had seen each other like in passing, but I never, we never, um, like you know, talked. The way he talks about it, he really took a liking. Oh, I love him. Yeah. We, we, no, no, I mean, because he actually was a student at the time I was a student. Because he's like, he, yeah. And we, and we both, we both like would just hang out and talk about movies and talk about comedy and talk about a whole bunch of stuff. Um, he's kind of the one of the reasons why I wanted to kind of like get into comedy because. He was just getting, he was, and I, I at, at that time, when I was like 23, 24, I was like a chicken. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to do it. 
But he was like, yeah, man, you, you're really funny. Like, you should try it. And eventually I did, and he was really happy when I when I told him that I I had started doing comedy. He's like, I told you you should have done it a while ago. I was like, okay. <laughs> whatever, dude. <laughs> what were you going to San Jose State for? Um, um, I majored in radio, television, and film. Oh, so the same thing I went yeah, for. Yeah, yeah, RTVF. Um, what, what year was this? I graduated in 09. 09. Yeah. Okay. So... Yeah, I was there. I was there from two thousand three to oh nine. I was there for six years. Uh, I loved RFT. I loved. I loved that. Made. I loved that building, Hugh Gillis Hall. Really, Hugh Gillis. Yeah, Hall? I love Hugh Gillis, man. It was. It looks like a sometimes like a little prison in there. It does, but you know, bland white walls <laughs> and the hallways, was, no. <laughs> with obsolete paint and furniture, <laughs> sometimes equipment. The equipment is the old is so old, man. It's yeah. ridiculous. It's to, Sorry, that's uh, the headphones, by the way. Yeah, it's all good. The equipment is so old, dude. This is oh, it's so ridiculous. Um, it and and like I think I think the drabness made it feel like home. I think the for drabness. me, like <laughs> I think the more and more I got in there, I just felt comfortable there. I would just go and hang. I would just go, like if you know, there's a room where there's like couches. And I would just go and sit in the couches where the where the uh, radio station was. There's like yeah, couches yeah. in the there. The green room. The green room. I would just sit in the green yeah. room and just do homework and stuff and chill out. And people yeah. would come in and we'd start talking. Like it was. I mean, it became kind of like a home away from home. Right. Um, but it was. It most definitely uh, was not the prettiest uh, building to look at. Well, the thing is, like for me, I always took note how. It is radio, television, and theater all in one building. Oh yeah. So a lot of creative people. Mm-hmm. I was just a little surprised at the um, the I guess the environment sim- seemed a little, little too bland for a uh, for a uh, area where there's a lot of creative people. And I remember when I was an officer for the uh, Film Production Society (FPS). Oh yeah. I was. Uh, I'm sure it was happening when you were going. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you get involved with them? I didn't get involved with them, but I had a lot of friends that kind of hit me to some stuff, yeah. and, and like I didn't get involved, but it was, yeah. yeah, I was most definitely aware of it. So when I was serving them as vice president, you know, for I think just for a year, yeah. uh, I, I kind of brought up the idea to um, uh, Barnaby da- Dallas. About, Barnaby, one of my favorite people. Yeah, you're a good guy. Yeah, great um, guy. About, you know, possibly uh, like hanging, you know, Anything like film posters <laughs> of uh, of previous <coughs> film work or or anything related, you know, kind of showcasing so because so, it's such wide white walls. Let's yeah. put something on there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. But I guess it was whole po- politics because it had to do with the um, the grounds people who do. I guess it's a separate department in in the university. Yeah, what they're called, but they they're the ones who ultimately decide what gets you know what what gets put on the walls. Which I know it's a shame. <laughs> doesn't make and and that that doesn't I I've that doesn't make any sense to me because it's like, I mean, you should be able to make a building, especially that building your own. I mean, it it was it was one of those buildings where it was. I mean, there was nothing to it. Yeah, there's nothing to. I mean, there's. I mean, literally, you go into it and you're like, there's no, it's nothingness. It's yeah. it's just it's just like you said the walls are like are, are, what did you, it was really funny the way you said the walls are like painted what, what was the word you said the walls were painted um, bland bland yeah they're just blandly painted yeah um, 
I, they should have put a picture or something up a there. Mural a mural. Or something. Or, yeah, man. Um, it really needs to be redone. That's what <laughs> That's what it really needs to do. They need to bring some more equipment. Like, probably the most pitiful thing is the uh, television studio. That is the most pitiful television. Which one? Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Like, so, sorry, these are the headphones, not the actual recording. Oh, that, no, I'm not tripping. Uh, but, yeah, those, those, uh, yeah, that room was, was really, really bad. Uh, Which is funny, because I came from, uh, I transferred from De Anza College. Yeah. And I got in when they got their brand new TV uh, studio over there at De Anza. Yeah, and it was it was wow! Like I was really amazed. I've heard how it, nice it is. I heard yeah. it's a really nice studio. It's like state of the art, top of the line. And then I transferred over to San Jose State, and it was, it was a little bit of a downgrade. <laughs> but, but, ultimately, but ultimately, the basics are the same. Yeah, but it's a downgrade. It's a downgrade, though. Yeah. And don't get me wrong; I'm not trying to you know be a pejorative towards the RTVF department. Yeah. At, at oh State. no, I, I learned a lot, and oh. there's a lot of great people in there. Yeah, uh, but it, it just it just it's um. It goes to show you that how funding for this stuff is not really there at the university level. Oh yeah, and 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 you and and you can see that when you walk through different buildings of that campus. Like some of those buildings are extremely nice. Yeah. Like yeah. you know the the, the, the business ju- building or the you know or the the journalism building. I was like, yeah, wow. man, the journalism building is amazing. Yeah, they they got great uh, uh, photography. Along the walls and stuff like that. You know cool. the the library. You, you know it's it's those those places are beautifully built, nicely built. Mm-hmm. But when you go into you know, and Hugh Gillis is one of the oldest buildings at San Jose State. It's one of the older buildings and prestigious because yeah. they, they had a lot of um, groundbreaking stuff. Like I, I Luis Valdez did a his his uh, Latino Chicano theater there. I was there. I was there for that. Um, I remember when he did that. Mm. I remember. I remember. Um, I went to a lot of the uh, theater productions there when they did um, Angels in America, mm-hmm. which was an amazing, which was really, really great production they did. Um, it got a lot of acclaim actually, and um, they did a really good job. They just had. As a matter of fact, I talked to. Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, was on there when you were there? She's still there. She's still there. She's Laura there. is amazing. She she taught me a lot about acting. That's and, funny. I had a different experience with her. Did yeah. you? Yeah. yeah. Me and her. Yeah. Me and her have a good relationship. I'm mean, thinking wrong. I never had her as a teacher. Yeah. But the few times I've met her, I was like, okay, I I, I don't know if this this person's really balanced right now. I try to stay. Away. I remember one time. <laughs> That's true. So so, so so one time for Scotty, she came by. I believe it was during Cinequest. Uh, she stopped by my Wednesday mic. Yeah. Right? And I think I was wearing exactly this, which is just the SJSU yeah. uh, hooded sweater. And, I, you know, I'm just setting up to, to start the, the open mic at Frascati. And she was there in line with a, with another one of her students. And uh, one of the students knew me. And she was like, oh, cool. What are you doing here? I was like, oh, I'm doing my the stand-up thing. Yeah. And she, she like, oh, you do stand-up? No, this was not It was someone else. See, sometimes those theater teachers get me all mixed up, but, was it, but, but was they, it, they have the same amount of craziness. Was it warmer? Was it, uh, was it, um, uh, what's her name? I forgot her name. Blonde? Is she blonde? No, not blonde. Okay. Also brunette. But anyway, she goes, okay. so she goes, oh, you do stand up? I was like, yeah. yeah. Then she looks at, she looks at me up and now she goes, wearing that? And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah. 
like, like, what is this, 1980 stand-up? Am I supposed to wear, like, the, the sports jacket, you know, and perform stand-up? We're open mic. This, yeah. is, this isn't like... Yeah. <laughs> but it just tells you, like, sometimes in theater, like, everything has to be, I yeah. don't know, theater-esque. Yeah. And I guess there's a certain way a stand-up supposed to be dressed when performing. It really got to me. I was like, what the fuck is that supposed to be? I don't get it. I don't get that shit either. I mean, my, my thing is, I see stand-ups wearing fucking, like, basketball shorts and you know like I mean I, I've always been I've always been a person I want if I'm going to be on stage I want to be as comfortable as possible yeah. I don't care what I wear that's funny like I've had other people tell me that in certain like in other aspects like like my girlfriend's like you don't you, you need to wear you need to dress better when you're on stage and I was like okay maybe I do but like I'd rather just be comfortable. Like, I'm not wearing a suit on stage. I know some, some comedians do. Some comedians are okay with that, wearing suits and, and stuff. But I know I'm just, I, I want to be comfortable, man. I want to be able to explore the space. And I can't explore the space in a three piece suit. Yeah. Like, well, the only time I dress, you know, a little, little flashy will be on showcases, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But I mean, I'm not, not to a point where I'm like wearing a, a suit or anything like well, that. Well, it, it needs to reflect your personality yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, you know, I, there are some comedians that I look at and like, um, this is a dude named Chris John and he, Oh yeah. Yeah, he's hilarious. Yeah. And he does real mellow funny guy. Yeah, and he and and his attire fits who he is. Like it should. Like you should I, I think if you're gonna present yourself, you should present yourself in your organic in the most organic sense possible. It shouldn't yeah. just be okay. You know, I'm gonna wear a suit, and you don't feel comfortable in it. Because one thing I've learned about being a stand-up is being you is the best thing to do. Being you is the best thing. Yeah. You know, and just turning it up. That's that's the best way to do it. You know, when you're when you're uncomfortable, it shows on stage. It really does. So I try to be as comfortable as possible. Mm. You know, people don't people don't understand how important appearance is and important how being comfortable is on stage, but that's that's a, a, a element of it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And you can tell when someone dresses up uh, yeah. to do comedy, it's a little hacky. It's really hacky. You know, like, like sometimes they, they try to wear like a funny, you know, uh, T-shirt with some funny graphic on it. It's like, yeah. I don't know, I get a little put off by that. No, I, Don't get me wrong. I was, when I started comedy, I remember I had to wear, I did wear a black coat like a fancy black coat over a t-shirt oh, i'm so embarrassed to even admit this you know to be like hey i'm classy but then you know i'm, I'm you know casual cool, at the same i'm cool. yeah i was like oh what a what a fucking asshole <laughs> i must have been no i i think you know it's it's funny because like when you first start you do certain things like my first showcase i was on one of my first showcases i was on um i was i i was wearing a nice button-down shirt with some boots and one of the comedians came up to me. He's like, "Oh, you look pretty fancy." And I'm like, "I'm, I'm just. I mean, I just want to make a good, a good impression. I'm not trying to right. like, you know, out outdress anybody. I just want to make a good impression, yeah. so I don't come up here and look like a fool." But no, I've never worn like a sports coat or anything on stage. Yeah, like maybe I should wear like a tweed jacket on tweed. stage. <laughs> like in, in a, in a, in a, I, I in used a to pipe. wear a tweed jacket too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. When I first started out, I, That's uh, I must have looked like a real douchebag. <laughs> so, when you were attending SJC, what was your focus? My focus was mostly um, acting and writing. 
Okay. That's that's really what I, I was I really wanted to get so into. So you were part of the theater program as I well. I was part of the theater program. I didn't do any theater. I, I did a lot of like short films and stuff like that and short scenes. And now was that the game plan straight out of high school was to get involved in, in theater yes. and acting entertainment? Honestly, when I was a when I was a sophomore in high school I knew what I wanted to do from that point. Mm-hmm. Like I knew. Like my game my, my plan of action was to get into radio television film department somewhere. I didn't know where I didn't know it was gonna end up being San Jose State, but I knew like at, at an early age that's what I want. I wanted to entertain people. Mm. So um, that was the focus. And then realized that San Jose State actually uh, as we were talking about the building, um, the program itself is great. I loved I loved it. I learned so much from it. Mm-hmm. And I learned so much from from the teachers who are professionals in their field. A lot of them are professionals in their field, so it was. I had a good, I had a great time. Mm. I had a great time learning learning a lot from from them. So it was cool. I had a great experience. Now, how did your parents uh, um, reacted to you deciding to go into uh, acting and such? I have. I am blessed with amazing parents. They're supportive. Oh yeah, I'm blessed. Uh, are they themselves creative? No. But my mother told me told me at an early age. She said, "I am never going to stop you from doing what you're what you're passionate about. Hmm. Um, you are in a position to 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 be great in whatever you want to be great at. I support that." She's like, "I just want you to be great at something," and that really made that made me happy. Both parents were like, "No, we're never going to." To stop on what you want to do. When I told them I want to be a stand-up comedian, they were like, "Just make sure you have a, a good job. That's it. You can do stand-up. But just make sure, <laughs> make sure you're working somewhere else. Do not just rely on stand-up." And and, and that's all they told me. Like they're they're incredible, man. Um, what line of what line of work are you, folks? Uh, my dad's a my dad is a PE teacher. He's uh-huh. been a PE teacher for almost forty years at the same place. Is it for uh, elementary or high school? It's elementary. It's a private elementary school. Mm. Um, and my mom works... How was that? Having a, a, a PE teacher's dad, like, I bet he made you fitness and getting oh, sports man. and all I that. I played basketball um, from the age of five to up till now. Uh, my dad got me into sports. Matter of fact, the, even the crazier thing was, is my dad was... I actually went to the same school that my dad worked at. So, oh man, that was... <laughs> How was that dynamic? Oh, that was that was hell on earth. You know, sometimes. you're the second guest I had on here who had a similar situation. Really? Yeah, Tyler Standard. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. He, he had a parent. I love Tyler. He, he had a parent who was a PE instructor at the school <laughs> he was attending. Um, but how was it for you? Uh, it was, it was really weird because he he would like stalk me sometimes. He's Trying like, to get you out of trouble? No, it was. He was like, I was a really dramatic kid. And um, you were a dramatic. Kid. I was what do really you mean? Dramatic. Um, like if I didn't get I'm my sorry. way, or if something happened, if I didn't get my way, or if something happened that was just not what I liked, I would like cry, and I would do this like really loud well cry, as he called it. He called it a well cry because it sounded like a well was a well call. <laughs> yeah. And um, he told me like I would hear it. He's like I would hear it, and I would just like I would just watch you do it. And then from a distance, yeah. And he's like, once everybody would leave, 
yeah. you would stop and just walk back. He's like, then I knew you were full of crap. <laughs> and like, he would, he would just, I mean, he was, he was there when I didn't think he was there. Yeah. Like yeah. he, like he, he kind of watched over me. Um, I couldn't really get away with anything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and plus I was, I was at a school with, I was the only black kid at the school. So I, I stuck out like a sore thumb mm-hmm. and my father worked. My father was my PE teacher, my coach, all this stuff for a long time. So I, I didn't get away with anything. Mm-hmm. How about your mother? My mom, um, she, me and my mom always have had a great relationship. She didn't work. She worked, she worked for the, um, for the uh, Ravenswood School District for a long time. She still works. She works for them now. But yeah, she, she, she's she's great. What she, she do for them? She um she works in the IT department. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it sounds like both your parents are like educators. They're both in oh, the education yeah. field. Yeah. Um, my mom. My mom got into the education field later. Um. She she used to work as like a receptionist for a couple places, mm-hmm. and then she ended up. She ended up realizing she was really good with kids, and so she became a paraeducator at first, and then she decided she she actually worked for the Sunnyvale School District as a uh, as a paraeducator for a while, and then she ended up getting a job with ID department at uh, Ravenswood School District. She's been there for like three years, mm-hmm. three or four years. Yeah. So it's like not, not only are you doing school at school but you're kind of dealing with school at home right? yeah because I'm getting war stories and my dad's telling me how crazy white kids he has to work with are and <laughs> crazy white kids crazy <laughs> white kids man what area did you grow up again I grew up in Menlo Park oh yeah um, that's the whitest of white yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is dude Atherton, and, and matter of fact Atherton California is probably the one of the richest richest spots in the Bay Area in the world possibly yeah I, I, I would I would um I would actually probably bet that it's probably in the world. You're right, yeah. and um, so I had to deal with I had to deal with a lot of 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 different things. Like some people had to deal with race. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to deal with a lot of classism. I didn't really get a lot of racial stuff. I got a lot of I got I got my like, I got a lot of kids their nose turned up in me because I didn't have certain things. Mm. So you know, people don't realize things affect you certain ways. Race didn't affect me too much because I. My my friends were pretty accepting of me of being, being black, and plus a lot of the kids that I went to high I went to elementary school with I went to high school with so I had known them since I was like four years old, mm-hmm. but when kids started to get BMWs and Escalades and expensive stuff, you know, in high school that's where the divide came because mm-hmm. I didn't have that and my parents made me know I'm like you're not rich. Like you might go to a rich school, but you're not rich, and I that that helped me a lot actually. How so? Um, because it grounded me and it made me realize that um, it took pressure off of me because I didn't have to. I didn't have to. I could just be myself. You didn't have to pretend. I didn't have to pretend. Yeah. And I, I thought that was beautiful. I thought that was great that they always constantly made sure, like, look, you're not rich, and. Um, you're not going to pretend to be, be yourself. And that was, that was a great lesson because now I deal with people. I deal with everyone the same way. I try to be the same person all the time. 
Mm-hmm. And that's helped me a lot. I don't put on any any facades or anything like that. There was a lot of kids who didn't have money that went to school with me that put on a lot of facades. And they still do. <laughs> it's exhausting. It is exhausting. Like, I mean, I wasn't I was necessarily one of those kids, but there were kind of a couple scenarios where I was like, uh, I think I'm a little over my head here. Go, go with the flow. <laughs> it is. When you try yeah. to... When you try to assimilate right. um, into into a into into a culture of people, you know sometimes when you try too hard, it just becomes. I mean, it's tiresome. Yeah. It's just tiresome. I remember, I was yeah back at the end, I, I was you know kind of interested in this Bulgarian chick, international student, nice. and she came from an affluent yeah. family, and she and some other. Eastern Europeans got together for some Eastern European holiday and these were all kids of like rich people and of like uh, uh, or people in the government and like the way they talked about money and this and that I was like I I don't fit in here at all at all and I was a little uncomfortable by that I was like oh it's uncomfortable I'm way over my head here I mean I I mean I remember I remember when I was in middle school like 8th grade and there was this party it was like this private party with all like the rich kids in our class, and my friends invited me to the class. You started having parties at middle school. Yeah, we had a party at middle school. It was like a beach. It was like a it was like a pool party, and my friend invited me to this girl's house. He's like, dude, you know, I know you probably weren't invited, but we're bringing you anyway. And so I got to the party, and the girl came up to me and she said, "I don't want you here." And it wasn't because I was black. It was because. I wasn't in their circle. That's such a shitty feeling. Yeah. And so I felt really bad. But luckily I had friends who who stood by me. And he was like, if he's not going to be here, if he can't be here, then I'm leaving too. So either you get your fucking act together or we're leaving. And that was it. And she was, after that, she didn't say anything to me. You know? You still stuck around? I stuck around. Uh. Oh yeah, I stuck around. Uh, my friend's like, "You're not leaving." He's like, "You're not leaving. You're gonna, you're gonna rub this shit in their face." And I was, like, <laughs> you know what? But it taught me a lesson that you know what? Sometimes you have to make people uncomfortable for them to change. That making people uncomfortable sometimes is a good thing. And after that, me and her had no problems. Did she invite you back for another party? Yeah, she used to, we actually me and her talk now. Oh, yeah. yeah, I talked to you her still, every now and again. You still bring that up to her? Um, a couple times. Remember that one time? Yeah, remember that time you uh, snubbed me at a party and told me that you didn't want me there? And she's like, "What was that I about, was, huh?" She's like, "I was, I was young and stupid." She's like, "I," she's like, "I really," she's like, "I." She apologizes to me every time I mention it. Yeah, yeah. But she, but you know what? Sometimes, like I said, you got to make people uncomfortable for them to change. Like, people don't like what, to be what, out of an element. What made her change, though, I think is true for most people in that situation, is that it's not so much that you made her uncomfortable as so much as it is about people she peers she knows turning against her. Exactly. You know? Exactly. When you have the coolest guy in the class turn against you, and... and so, you, so so now you're on the on the chopping block. Yeah. And your status is being... Your status is being, being questioned. questioned. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I found, I found that. I mean, it's, it's. I just found that really interesting. That this, this is that middle school. Jesus, this middle school God. man. Like yeah. these. I mean, these kids had money to blow. Like they. <laughs> like I got money for blow. Oh yeah. In middle school. That too. <laughs> no, I'm just um, no, seriously. It, <laughs> no, it's one of those situations where you never know, man. Um, 
uh, there no, there was so much drugs in my high school. Um, there were kids doing partying, all types of stuff. Kids were drinking. Yeah, but on it's campus. like it's I mean, like, it's like it's first class drugs, isn't it? It's in oh, like yeah. like Adderall and shit. No, it's like first class. Yeah, cocaine. I, at that time, cocaine. I don't know about Adderall. Adderall's become kind of a newer thing. Has it? Uh, maybe. I don't. I figure I, half half those people in Menlo Park are drugged up in some prescription oh, yeah. pills. Oh yeah. We. You know what was crazy though? I'll tell you something. I'll tell you something really crazy. So. This is how this is how rich kids are. So, and this one kid was so smart. We had this like genius level kid at my school, and he's like, and he was really he was incredible with computers. He somehow hacked into the DMV database and was able to create a fake ID that passed anywhere. How old was he? This kid was like sixteen, fifteen or sixteen. Yeah, I was. It was amazing. We have kids from public schools, because my friends, a lot of my friends were in the public school yeah. system, and they would come to my school, and I'm like, "What are you doing here?" Hmm. Oh, it's, oh, nothing, man. I was like, "No, you're gonna get, you're gonna get a fake ID, right?" I knew, I knew what was going on. Yeah, he's like, "How did you know?" I was like, "The kid has bragged. The kid used to brag. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm getting money, and that's and how they get caught when they start bragging." Hand over fist. Yeah. So then one of my really good friends was like, one of my really good friends was like, you know what? I'm going to get involved. So he strong-armed the kid and said, I'm going to kick your ass if you don't give me a percentage because I'm going to get you, I'm going to get you a whole bunch of kids from the, from the, um, Jesus from the public school. Yeah. He he saw a business opportunity. Oh yeah. And he capitalized on it. (laughs) (laughs) And he ended up getting in trouble. Yeah. He ended up just getting suspended. He actually didn't get any legal action. The other kid, the kid who did it, yeah, yeah. got legal action and still got into Princeton yeah. University. Probably hacked him, uh, hacked into their database oh, to get or, in there. I don't or know. Or he probably like wrote this dissertation about how he um, how he became a businessman through through hacking through. Uh, well, then again, you don't know their parents. You don't know how much yeah, power their parents yeah, have man. and influence of, of those kind of decisions. Are, I had parents like some of the parents owned like. You know, or like were were shareholders in Oracle. Some, you know, I mean, old money people. Yeah. Like one of my friends used to own one of my friends' parent. My parents' family, her, my friend's parents' family used to own Coca Cola. It's like, I mean, what? I mean, dude, <laughs> that's old money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's still good money though. Oh, it's gonna. It's <laughs> always gonna be good, but it's old. <laughs> so that means they're established. Like, you know, my 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 best friends. Uh, my best friend's family used to own Tropicana. I'm like, dude, like seriously. Is he Latino? No. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. He's Jewish. He's, of course. <laughs> of course. It was hilarious, though. Dude, but, like, I'm not sure if you're late, but sometimes like, I find myself looking like ethnic-centric uh, 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 products. I'm like, I got a feeling that a Latino didn't make this. I got a feeling you know, some white guy in some business offered and oh, yeah. office is putting this thing together. You know, like it's like like the gorilla gel or whatever that gel is. Like you know, it's like oh, you know, the Latinos will love this. Like, like or like my or, brother actually uses it sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My, my my brother's best friend who's Latino, he uses it all the time. That's why that's why he even said it. I'm like tropicana juice, <laughs> super unhealthy. I'm sure it's the white people giving this to oh, our community, dude. Seriously. I mean, it's just, oh man! Oh, that's hilarious. It's it's like um, 
You know how the government kind of pushed uh, drugs into the African American communities yeah. in the eighties. Yeah, I think right now the 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 go- government or certain people in corporate world uh, in the corporate business are pushing unhealthy food into like uh, uh, minority communities. Oh yeah, and and like even in, even on like a funnier extreme, I was watching this uh, documentary about the hair business. Actually, it's it's called Good Hair. It's actually um, a Chris Rock movie, mm-hmm. and he was saying how these corporations were making these hair products that were like killing black women's hair because they were they were burning their scalp and all this stuff like like Jesus <laughs> the government the government is dude the government is just like they hit everybody from different angles man it's just yeah. not just food right it, it's it food and, al- and alcohol and they'll, drugs it's like fuck up your hair <laughs> They'll let, yeah, they'll fuck up your hair. They'll scalp and shit. You'll have like fucking fucking streaks going down your hair and shit. <laughs> so here you are. You grew up in a place of affluence. Yeah. You decide to to study um, acting. Yeah. San Jose State. It sounds like you had a good time in San Jose State. I did. So once you graduate, what was the game plan? My game plan was to move to. Um, I wanted to move to LA. Um, it didn't. Everything okay there? So I did. Yeah. I didn't want to... Um, you looked over your phone. Man. Yeah, I had to look at my phone because I keep getting blown up and I'm trying to like hide it so I don't look at it. Um, That's why I put mine out on um, airplane mode. Yeah, I'm just going to... Yeah, that I actually have it covered now so I can't see whoever's calling me. It's so funny like. how, how we... For me, when I hear a ring, sometimes even a, fa- a phantom uh, a vibration on my pants, I have to go look at it. Yeah, yeah. so... And I really don't want to look at it because it's some stupid shit. Um, it's, it's, it's really some stupid stuff. So, basically, my game plan was to move to L.A. Um, I used to work for the Apple Store in Palo Alto. At the Genius Bar? No, I was a specialist. I started off as a... Um, it, it was a position that doesn't exist anymore. It was called the Concierge. And all I would do is just greet people, mm-hmm. say hello, make sure they got to where they needed to go. Yeah. And I was there for like, I was there at the Apple Store for five years, but my plan was... At University Street, right? Uh, on University Avenue, yeah. And um, I decided to try to save some money up and move. And I had saved enough money up to move, and me and my friend that I worked with were going to move. And uh, that ended up not working out. What happened? Uh, the guy, the the boss that the, my boss just didn't like me. Like I was really good at my job, but he personally did not like me. And when when your boss doesn't like you, yeah, it's really nothing you can do about it. Uh-huh. Like you can try to suck up to him, you can try to like change your attitude, but once you're in their shit house, it's. It's, it's nothing you can do. So me and him just didn't get along. So I ended up leaving there and um, still had money saved. And I ended up going to to, uh, to the to uh, Nordstrom where I was able to transfer to L.A. eventually. Mm. Um, and I got there. And then that situation didn't work out because I lived with I lived with someone that was absolutely toxic. And yeah, sounds like someone from L.A. for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 What part was, of L.A. did you move into? Uh, Marina Del Rey. So, really nice area. My friend who, my childhood friend I moved in with, because he was like, yeah, dude, you know, you can move in with me for a couple months and save some some more money, and, you know, eventually you can move in your own place, and that didn't work out. He was heavily on drugs, Mm 
Mm-hmm. Um, the situation was terrible, you know, and, and it taught me a lot about just being, choosing, choosing where you stay, choosing who you're with wisely. Yeah, you know what? I'm recently doing that myself. I'm becoming more selective now. Yeah. Even on Facebook, I find myself unfollowing quite a few people. Me too. And I was like, what took me so long? And is this this an an area that we're just getting older? Yeah. We're putting up with less bullshit now? Yeah, I think it is. I I think... think How come I wasn't like this before? It it would have saved me a lot of trouble. Well, when I was younger, I was a people pleaser. I I, I tell people this all the time. Like, I, I, I wanted people... I wanted everybody to like me. Now that I'm 33 years old, I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> I, yeah. I just want to meet people that are going to enhance me and going to make me better as a person. Especially being in comedy has really made me aware of that. Like, you have to be around the people that are, gonna, that are positive for you. Yeah. Like, if you're around negativity, yeah. it doesn't help. On top of that, you also have to be a positive factor to them. Exactly. Which is where I fail most of the time. <laughs> I, I catch myself like, dude, I'm just... Uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like I'm like the primary negative force in, in this situation. And I'm like, uh, like before, I, I think, but I'm more, uh, how, how's the word I'm looking for? I'm more aware of it now than before. And now I make it more of an effort. Yeah. And like a part of that is just not hanging out with certain people. And so, because those people will, like, the thing is too, like sometimes you might feel like you're being the negative person, but once you get away from that, per- from those people that, that, that you are around, you realize like, I'm not that negative as I used to be. Like, yeah. Yeah. like sometimes it's just getting out of like a situation. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'll be like, they don't want to hang out with me. Why are we even trying here? Yeah. They don't like me. I don't like them. Yeah. Why are we even trying? Why are we even doing this? Why are we doing this? This is this like we're 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 like hitting a wall. I'm like walking into a wall, and and, it's, and I just keep doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm, this is insane. Yeah, you know. Man. So no, I totally agree with you. How long were you living in L.A.? I wasn't. That's it sucks because I was in L.A. for three months. Three. Months. Like like that's what's up, like it was that bad. Wow. Oh no, man. I mean, like I lived. So I lived in a. Um, I, I don't care about telling this story because he's not going to listen to this shit. So I <laughs> I lived in a um, really nice townhouse. There was there was an actual like there was a um, basically a loft upstairs, no door. Just you go upstairs and there's just this loft, this area basically an office area, loft area, mm-hmm. and it was open so you could hear TV, you could hear everything. It wasn't closed, so. He I he had told me, Oh, you're gonna have a room, everything you're gonna be good. There was always another dude staying there. Like he sprung it to me when I got there. He was like, Oh, actually, you know, my friend's actually gonna stay, he's actually paying rent. This and that dude never paid rent. Um, and so I stayed up in the loft and I'd go to sleep early because I had to get up like at seven o'clock and get and get to work at eight. So I would have to get up early and my friend would be up all night watching TV, just blasted. Uh, he he did dabs. He did he did um, he smoked weed all day. Mm-hmm. So he'd be throwing pillows at me at like three o'clock in the morning because he's like, "You're snoring, and I'm trying to watch TV." Like <laughs> it was a shit show, and it just got to a point where I got depressed. I got really depressed, and I just said, "I can't do this anymore. I I gotta go. I'd rather just be home and just." 
you know, and then that's that's the journey. So I'm trying to get back to LA now. Mm. How um, was the ride back home? It was it was okay. Yeah, it was cool. The ride back home was cool. I, I mean, like, did, did you feel like uh, not not something that you failed necessarily, but it was just a a, a shitty situation that you didn't expect. I felt sprung relieved. on you, relieved. Yeah, I felt relieved. I felt like you know what, as as much as I felt a little dejected, I felt like it was the best situation for me to do. I didn't, I, I felt like I was preserving myself mm-hmm. at that point. And, you know, I talked to my parents about it and they told me, they were like, you know what? You should not feel ashamed for trying to get out of a situation that was toxic. Like, yeah. you can come back from this. You know, I had a couple friends say, I had a, I had the friend that I've stayed with and another friend that lived in LA, they both told me, oh, well, you failed. You gave up. Straight up? Straight up. They went at you like they that? They went at me like that. Jesus. Because one of the friends didn't understand how how bad the situation was. And my own brother was like, dude, you, he went through some fucked up shit. Like, give him a break. Like, he deserved, he needed to come back. And then the other guy was just mad that the guy I stayed with was just mad that that basically I I won. He was pissed off that he knew that I had I had made the right decision. He even told me that later. Hmm. He's like, I was I wasn't right for anyone at that point. He's like, you made the right decision. You didn't you didn't quit. He's like, I wasn't in a great state. And you know, it took him a while to admit that, but like that shit hurt though. Like, oh, like you straight up, you straight up gave up. You failed, and I'm like, fuck you. Like I was pissed. I was upset because I was like, no, I didn't. Like I didn't. I didn't feel like I got a chance to even do stuff because it was just, it was just constant. It was just constant strain on me. He'd have guys. So he was like, his friends were like hoodlums from like freaking Inglewood, and he would have guys come through. Just being loud on purpose while I was trying to sleep. Yeah, they were fucking with you. Just on fucking purpose. with me on purpose. Yeah. And like and like they never like they were always cool with me, but they were he was just he would deliberately let's do shit to just try to just fuck up fuck up my, my situation. So, you know, it you live and you learn. I, I feel like you gotta go through experiences. Yeah. Not like that, but you gotta go through experiences to learn what you don't like or what you like, you know, so so now that you're planning to go there again, you're more prepared now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, were you doing comedy at that time? No. But the funny thing was is that um, it, like 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 we have – we it's kind of an arc to this because we have Fred who was, who, who was putting comedy in my ear. Yeah. And then – By the way, it wasn't Fred who was giving you a hard time in LA, was it? No, no. no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Fred would never do that. <laughs> Fred is awesome. Uh, you know, I, I had him here on this podcast. Did you know that? Oh, oh you did? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fred's an interesting guy. Yeah, real, real interesting Super guy. Super interesting. He knows – Super smart. Oh, he knows so much about yeah. just random shit. And he's funny. He's oh, he's so than, hilarious, yeah. dude. Yeah, he, um, he should be doing stand-up. Oh, he should. He's yeah, awesome, yeah. and he's and he loves stand-up. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. So what end up? So where were we at? Oh yeah. You said there's an arc to the story. So it's arc to this. So when I actually was in LA, when I worked at Nordstrom, yeah. there was a guy that worked at a restaurant in Nordstrom, and he was a comedian, and he kept on he kept on telling me he's like, dude, you need his name was Eric, um, and he's like, dude, you need to. You need to try stand up. He's like, it seems like you really love it. It seems like you like it. 
He's like, I, 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 um, I do this room every Tuesday at this bar, actually right, right, right down the road. And I was like, ah, you know, whatever. And, but he just every day he was like, dude, he's like, this is what you should do. Just, just write, just write some stuff. Don't, don't think about it. Just write. So I started writing when I was in LA, but I still didn't try it. And once, once I, once I left. I, I kept writing. A lot of a lot of it, as you know, was just garbage. <laughs> when he writes stuff, like sometimes when he, when I put stuff to paper, pen yeah. to paper, I'm just like, oh, this is trash. Yeah. But a lot of I just, still feel that way about <laughs> my new stuff. I was oh, like, me where too. did this come from? <laughs> me too. Oh yeah, I wrote some stuff the other day. I was like, why the fuck did I write this shit? Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> why did I write this? <laughs> uh, but so it's like you know it's fucked up oh, shit, yeah. but you you perform expecting laughs. <laughs> It's like I'm, I'm killing them with this shit. Yeah. I'm killing with this, and knowing that it's fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I just kept writing, and then like two years later, um, I'm dating my current girlfriend, mm-hmm. and I'm not really doing anything. And she's like, "You don't do shit." She's like, "You don't do anything. You don't have a hobby. Like your hobby is playing video games and watching movies." So I was like, "That's a great hobby." So she found you boring. So she found she started to find me boring, but she also was just like, "What do you what What do you want to do with yourself? Yeah, like what do you want to do with yourself?" I was like, "I always want to try stand up." She's like, "Then fucking do it." Don't she just like verbatim? She's like, "Fucking do it." She's a fucking keeper. She is a keeper. I, are you still with her? I'm still with her. Damn. She told me because she could have easily just left you, but instead she she made an effort. Yeah. To help you, you know, do what you want to do. Exactly. And she told me straight up. She looked me in my eye and she said. I don't think you're going to do it, but you should. She said, you need to get a date. You need to make a date and you need to go. And I said, okay. I, I, I then, then I said, you know what? I'm going to talk to some, I'm going to talk to someone that I know that's in standup and I'm going to ask him some questions about it before I, before I decide. And it was Nate Spears. You Nate know, Spears. Nate Spears. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Nate and, um, so you you knew him? I've known time? Nate since he was like fifteen. He went to school with you? I he went to MA Menlo Atherton High School. I went to Menlo School. Oh. so I've known him for a long time. We lived in the same lived in the same neighborhood, so I've known him for a long time. And so I met up with him, and I've worked with him. I've worked with him before in in, in like an after school uh, a summer program. So we've known each other for a long time. Uh-huh. So I asked him like I so I asked him about stand up, and he told me. Um, told me about Woodham's Lounge and he's like just show up just show up and okay I was like okay I'll show up so I I gave myself a date January 4th 2016 and I went and uh, Nate was supposed to meet me there and I was like why is he not here he's supposed to meet me and he's like dude I'm, I, I can't make it uh, and I'm like this is before I walked in the building, and I actually went up, and uh, I, I did I did my first set that night, and I actually liked I loved it. How'd it go? It went actually surprisingly okay. Like I got some laughs, and I said to myself, okay, well if I'm getting laughs, that means I'm gonna keep going. Uh-huh. I had promised myself like if no one laughs at my shit, I'm not gonna do this shit anymore. I'm not gonna do it. But I got some really good laughs off some of the jokes that I wrote, 
and I the set wasn't terrible, so I was like, I'm gonna keep going, and and it was one of those situations where I was so excited I couldn't go to sleep. That's when I knew I wanted to do it, and I told Nate, hey, I went, I, I got up and I went, and he he said, you know what, honestly, I didn't I didn't come because I I thought you were gonna chicken out, and I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I thought you were gonna chicken out. That's still weird. Isn't he a comic? Doesn't he still want stage time, regardless? <laughs> no. He's like, I didn't. He's like, I didn't really feel like going, but I didn't think. I thought you were gonna check. I thought you were gonna chicken out. I, I thought it was weird too. Yeah. Like you could just go and do a set. Yeah. You know. I mean, if you didn't, you know, even if you didn't, if you if you did think I was gonna chicken out, I mean, but no, I, yeah, you know, it was it was it was one of those situations where I was like, you know what, I do gotta do something, and my girlfriend. She's been really supportive of me with it. And she told me, she's like, I'm just proud that you actually did it. She's like, a lot. Because you know you know how stand-up is. And you know, you've probably had people come to people like, oh, I'm thinking about doing stand-up. Yeah, yeah. And my my advice is, is okay, go up there and do it. Mm-hmm. And they look at me like, yeah, just go up there and do it. I was like, write something. Prepare. Be prepared first. Yeah. And then go up there and do it. And a lot of them just don't, a lot of them don't do that. Like, they'll just be like, so you telling me you want to be a stand-up is enough? Or are you going to go ahead and do it? Because it's one of those things that, I mean, it is a decision to make. It is a decision. Am I going to expose myself to to people looking at me, trying to make them laugh? Like, it's, it is, it is a, it is a big decision. (laughs) Did did you get any uh, uh, flashbacks of when you were going to uh, San Jose State University and performing there? Like, were there any skills that you developed at San Jose State in the theater program that you utilized in your stand-up? Yes. And and people think that, oh, well, none of that, you can't use any of that stuff. You can use some of that stuff, like, um, especially uh, projection, um, enunciation of words, uh, inflection on certain words. I learned at San Jose State, being able to, um, being able to project is really the biggest thing. And 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 um, they really taught me at San Jose State to use my presence, and I have a huge presence on stage because of that. Um, that's the biggest thing, is just being able to use the 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 advantages you have vocally. Because uh-huh. I took a I took a few vocal vocal classes for theater, that helped a lot. That really did, you know, just being able to be able to project and also react. And 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 highlight certain words in the way I'm saying it, and that really did help a lot. Yeah, it's it's helped a lot. Now, because uh, I wonder if there's an arc into this whole thing in general. Okay. Because we start talking about Fred. Once you did stand up, and once you dedicate yourself to it, how did you break the news to Fred Guest? So, this is how it happened. It's really funny. Um, I put my first picture up of me a caravan and Fred sent me a message and he was like you're finally he's like you're finally doing it and I was like yeah he's like it took you long enough <laughs> he's like it took you long enough and I was like yeah and I just I wasn't sure if I want to expose myself like that he's like you gotta fucking just try shit sometimes you don't like I mean he told me that he's like you just gotta try shit sometimes you can't worry about how it's going to make you feel like you might end up loving it 
if you just try it, and he, I mean, he was one hundred percent correct. So yeah, there's there that there, there wasn't there is an arc there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, my thing is just if you want to do something, try it. If you if you suck at it or if you are uncomfortable by it, maybe that'll help you get over the hump. You know, you know, sometimes things aren't just going to be handed to you. Sometimes you just got to do it and see what happens. You know, so. Well, you've gone on to be performing in a variety of places. People know who you are now among the comedy circuit. Um, and you even started venturing out. Uh, you had your own podcast, right? You had yeah. the, the Bullshit Hour. The Bullshit Hour. What, what, ha- what happened? So, uh, man, the thing is, is that I have a... Um, so my home dynamic is, 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 is special because my grandmother lives with us. She has dementia. Hmm. Um, it was getting to a point where I would have guests over. And she, it would just be, it would be kind of hectic, and the, and the home dynamic just overall wasn't happening great with the pot, with me having guests over. Um, but I'm bringing it back though. I'm actually changing the name, and we're gonna have a different type of uh, kind of hard to to market bullshit out. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but but uh, I've been, I'm, I'm gonna, it's gonna be called I said so. It's gonna be called I said so, mm-hmm. the podcast, uh, and similar format. We're probably going to have more of, it's probably going to be topics. It's probably going to be like themes every week okay. we're going to try to do. Um, so I'm working on that right now because uh, I want to try I want to try to get it to a point where it's marketable. Bullshit Hour really wasn't for me. Um, it was good. I had some really good guests on the show. Well, I'm, I'm always interested to know what inspired you to start a podcast. I started it because I love podcasts. Um, I'm a huge wrestling fan, so I used to listen to Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. I used to listen. Jesus, to everybody does have a podcast these yeah, days. Yeah, everybody. <laughs> Even Jim, wrestlers. Jim Ross had a podcast. <laughs> announcer for for the uh, longtime announcer for WWE. Uh, Chris Jericho actually has an incredible podcast. Um, what what kind of shit do they talk about on the podcast? So, Chris Jericho actually um, will interview anyone. He's had he's had music because he, he's a musician too. And he's had musicians on his show. He's had actors on his show. Stone Cold Steve Austin's had actors. He's had musicians. He's all had all types of people on his show. So it's not just wrestling. I really can't imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, dude, one. it's amazing. He's actually a really good host. Yeah. Um, but the reason why I got into it is because I just, you know, I love, especially with comedians and, and entertainers of, of all sorts, I just like, like getting into their heads and seeing... Why do you do this? You know, what's your motivation for this? Like, like what made you want to become a comedian? What made you want to become a musician or, you know, an actor or whatever? Like, I just, I love that stuff. I love that, you know, inside stuff. I've always been a fan of that. You know, I've always been a fan of the director cut in, in DVDs. Mm-hmm. You know, I've always been a fan of that type of stuff. So I love asking questions like that. So making the bullshit hours just a way of just cutting the bullshit and, and, and talking about whatever was on your mind and kind of steering questions to kind of like certain themes I, I wanted to make. But it I loved it, man. It's fun. It's it's the funnest thing, as you can tell. Like we're having fun right now. I had so much fun doing it. It can be fun, yeah. Yeah. It can it can be a little nerve wracking too. <laughs> yeah. How many episodes did you get through? I had uh, ten episodes. Okay. 
I had ten episodes. I had I had some pretty good guests. You do something also differently. I guess you're doing wine reviews. I do. Yeah, man. I, I'm glad you mentioned that. I, I do. I do a. Um, we have a. Uh, What's YouTube. that about? We have a. So I got into wine with uh, my girlfriend, current girlfriend. You guys are wine connoisseurs. Yeah, I, she changed me into. I used to hate wine. I hated it. I thought it tastes gross. I thought I, I used to. I thought it sucked. Kind of what? What you were drinking about Seven Eleven wine or something? I was drinking some Two Buck Chuck, man. <laughs> some some like Carlo Rossi, the one with the yeah. handle, yeah, the big yeah. one with the handle. Like yeah. I was drinking crappy wine like that with my friend, uh, drinking Chinese, eating Chinese food, and and Carlo Rossi. That's that's what we would do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or, or, or boxed wine. <laughs> yeah, boxed wine too. So that's, hey, that's hey, man, well, wine could be good if it's from the right place. Yeah. And- for the right price, so you yeah. gotta, sometimes they're too expensive. You gotta like it. <laughs> so yeah, and that's that's what ended up happening was is that she, I was at her, I was I was at dinner with her family, mm-hmm. and her dad, who's a very persuasive um, gentleman, he was like, um, we we drink wine here, and um, we're they, a wine drinking family. Yeah, and he put a glass of wine in front of me. They shun down on the beer drinking. Family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They don't drink. They don't have any beer in the house. Uh, he he put the wine. He's like, you're gonna drink this wine. <laughs> he like, forced. He's a big dude too. He forced me, and my girlfriend's like, we didn't force you. You know, no, you forced me. You put the wine in my face. Put the wine and the it. gun on the table. Yeah, exactly. It's like a knife. It's like a big. You're drinking this <laughs> wine. A knife in his hand. Whether you like it or not, you're drinking this wine. And so, do they have vineyards? They have vineyards at their house. That makes sense. Now. They live. Um, they live in Tracy. Uh-huh. So. They actually have um, like a really small vineyard, yeah, and they live really close to Livermore, which is a huge, which which is a huge wine country, right? In Livermore, so that, that, that must be a, such a rewarding thing, though, is to drink something that you grew in your backyard, dude. I, it's amazing. Like um, what they did too is is that they would grow vines, and actually they would sell it to Gallo wines. So they grow vines, and they were thinking about selling them to Gallo wines because of Wait, that. What is that? Uh, Gallo is a company, huge wine company. They actually make E and J. They're the uh, company that makes. I'm not a wine heard? guy. I have no well, idea. E and J is actually a cognac type type drink. It's a hard liquor. They make E and J. See, this is why I got to watch your 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 YouTube. You got to. Uh, uh, it's wine funny reviews because I'm totally not informed of these company names. So yeah, so they so so that that's where it was. But the reason why, how I got into it was I actually ended up actually really liking really fine good wine and I, I was trying to get my and, and then like there's an art to this too because my girlfriend was getting complacent with some of the stuff she was doing and I was like you need to do something you enjoy doing oh Just, so that's the other see, foot around yeah so I was not, like, not you telling her yeah. you're boring do something <laughs> exactly so I told her I was like look which makes you a keeper as well yeah thank you uh, I told her look I was like you love wine you work at a winery, you 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 know the process of winemaking. Mm-hmm. You should do a, a YouTube channel, and it should have some comedy elements to it. So it's not totally stupid. It's not totally boring, because I've watched YouTube channels that have to do with wine, and it's really boring. So I was like, why don't I'm a comedian? You're not that you're not that uh, boring either. You're pretty funny yourself. So let's try to put some comedic elements into it to make it, um, to make it entertaining. Really shouldn't be that hard. I figure if I was gonna do entertaining, is have the wine review, just chug the whole wine bottle, 
Then let's see what comes out of your mouth. That's actually really funny. We should do that one day. Like, 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 like the first half is you sober, the second half is you drunk. An hour later, you're like, so how do you feel about this wine now? It's and, the best wine in the world. And we actually, we're gonna, we actually um, might do some segments with with some of my comedian friends where we just have like a round table. I'm a lightweight dude. I will be, one one bottle of wine. Will, I'll, I'll be I don't know. I'll be singing so like a canary. Think, so we're. Th- <laughs> So we're thinking about having an actual like, like round table of like comedians just drinking wine and seeing what happens. Just seeing what happens. I don't know. I'm on the side of caution. Having too many comedians with alcohol at oh, one place. Oh man, that's dangerous. It, it could, Maybe be, could like, be disastrous. <laughs> so we're thinking like two, two, like just me and another comedian mm-hmm. for that. Actually, my girlfriend said the same thing. She's like, I don't want like someone. I don't want. There's gonna be a lot of dick jokes around oh, that, that table. Oh, gonna be a lot of dick jokes. Yeah. A lot. You, you, you have all the female comedians, but if, if you still get them drunk, there'll be a lot of oh, dick geez. jokes. Yeah, I was. Uh, I don't. You know, uh, Alex Love. Oh yeah. So we put. She she doesn't drink wine. She drinks. She drinks just like hard liquor. <laughs> That's why she's a badass, dude. Yeah, she's a badass, man. She's like, she's like, I drink. She's like, she's like, I drink whiskey. I was like, okay, well, I drink wine. <laughs> That's the difference between me and you. Uh, by the way, how'd you meet your gal, if you mind me asking? Oh, um... Because it sounds like she's a, a very integral part of your I life. I met her online. Um, I met her on Match.com. That works? It, dude, I, it worked for me. Man. I was surprised. See, I'm, I'm almost behind tech. I'm like, I don't know. I don't I don't know. It's weird. I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think, I don't I, think I, it's I, for everybody. I'm putting myself out there like a product on eBay. <laughs> you know, just just putting my profile, my picture, and by, by now, n- n- nutritional facts. <laughs> this is high. This guy's high on cholesterol. <laughs> How much would you bid for that guy? I don't it's, know. Like, it's like I'm high on self. Like have self esteem <laughs> issues. <laughs> issues. Low on issues. He he may be good looking, but he does have some emotional scars. It's like cash, low. <laughs> <laughs> Bad credit. <laughs> credit. It, it, okay. Uh, it'll be like a Yelp review with it. <laughs> no. <laughs> I dated this guy for like a month. Uh, he's, he's all right. right. <laughs> Three stars. Yeah, he's, you know, he took he took me to a nice restaurant. He paid. I guess he's okay. That's probably the future of dating, man. I don't know. Dude, I'm telling but you. But don't get me wrong. I do hear a lot of people saying they've met uh, a lot of great long-term relationships through the uh, websites. Yeah. I mean, it just depends... I just have my insecurities, that's and, all. No, and you should, because, I mean, actually, if you think about it, you know, it. I mean, this is the way society is turning. Like, mm-hmm. people are have, people have a harder time meeting people in person. Yeah. Like, people just, it's easier for some people, especially people who are hard, it's hard for people to, like, open up to you in person and actually ask a person on a date. Why is that? Are we too guarded now? I think we are. I think also, you know, the the technology age fuck, fucked up fucked up communication hmm. all the way. I really do. I mean, I was talking to a friend about this. And I'm, I'm like, because this is part of evolution. Now people are going to meet each other online. And people like me who are not doing that, our genealogy is just going to die with me. And you guys are going to be weirdos. <laughs> not weirdos, <laughs> no, but, 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 but my family name was going to die with me because yeah. I didn't make an effort to yeah. change with the with the technology to meet somebody. Yeah, but I was, I was talking to somebody, too. It's like, it's like when it first started, like people kind of frowned on the people that were going doing online dating. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if it's changed, but like... It definitely has. Now it's socially acceptable right. to say, oh yeah, you know, I, I met this person on Tinder. And it's and it's not even a big deal anymore. Right. Like, I would say four or five years ago, people would be like, oh, you met them on Tinder? Now it's like, yeah, I met them on Tinder. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's not a big deal. I wonder if that's the story they get to their kids. How'd, yeah. you, how'd you meet mom? On oh, Tinder. I swiped it, you know. <laughs> I swiped I swiped right. <laughs> Does someone have a joke like that already? I don't know. I feel like I heard it before, maybe. I There might be some jokes. There's a lot it of... That's too easy. Somebody must have used that one already. You know, because the thing is, I try to avoid Tinder jokes, because I feel like a lot of comedians try to make, like, forced Tinder jokes yeah. a lot. I got one, yeah. <laughs> Do you? I'm not proud of it, but it, it does get the laughs when I need it to get well, laughs. Well, that's, that's good. When I'm bombing, you yeah. just pull that one in my back pocket. Let me just, let me just pull this one out. <laughs> I find myself doing that sometimes. Like, oh, I hate this joke, but I know people like oh, it. Um, I was having a conversation with someone last night about that. I was like, I think every comedian has a joke where I'm like, this is the stupidest shit I've ever written. Yeah. And then you put it on stage and people love it. Yeah. And you're like, why do they like this stupid yeah. shit? Oh, let me pull out this pun. Oh, fuck <laughs> it. You guys happy now? Is this what makes? You, is this what you guys want? You guys want this to laugh? Yeah. Like, I have a joke about Harry Potter that is like one of my best jokes. Yeah. But I know it's stupid. Yeah. But people love it. <laughs> like I love I love it because it's, yeah. I know that it's a dumb joke but it, yeah. it works yeah yeah I don't I have a premise that shits on Harry Potter people and it, it's very polarizing <laughs> either I get people to laugh or I get people just like silent ooh I probably would laugh and then talk to you afterwards about it because I'm like a huge Harry Potter fan yeah yeah um <laughs> So like I've read all seven books. I'm not a I'm not ashamed. I'm laughing because you would be the target of the joke. That's what oh yeah, saying. I'm the target. I don't I don't care. Like I get shit. Like one time I was at an open mic in Los Angeles, and I was gonna do my Harry Potter joke at this mic, and this guy had this bit where he just shit on Harry Potter people mm. for like five the whole five minutes. You're making me realize how hacky I am now. <laughs> it was no, you're not. It's not hacky. Uh, he no, it was, and I felt like I'm not gonna do this shit. I'm not gonna do this joke in front. So I just did some other shit. But I was like, he was just shitting on Harry Potter. But it was hilarious, mm-hmm. and it was, and it was really funny. I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't. Yeah, I can't yeah. Uh, follow that. All right, Cedric, it's been an hour. Cool, it's been an hour already. Yeah, man. Wow, yeah. I've enjoyed myself. Well, I'm, I'm glad it was uh, mutual. Yeah, cool. Good having you here. Uh, before we go, where can people? Uh, uh, find you on on the social media. Um, so you can find me. You can most definitely find me on Instagram um, uh, at Big Said Comedy. You can also find me on Twitter at Big Said Comedy. Um, I, my uh, CedricDrake.com is coming up pretty soon. That's going to be my um, comedy website. And you can also get me on Facebook, Cedric Drake. If you look, if you want to look up Cedric Drake on Facebook, S E D R I C, not C E D R I C. No, some people try to misspell my name, mm-hmm. but it's S E D R I C, Cedric Drake. And yeah, I got um. That, that's where you can find me. Great, Cedric. Thank you for coming, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. There you have it. That's Cedric Drake. I hope you guys enjoy that conversation. And um, once again, Happy New Year. So see you guys on 2018. Hope you guys spend your New Year's well. And um, see you next week. Have a good one.